Hi, welcome to Totem Talks, the business psychology podcast. I'm Helen Fruin. And I'm Mark Smith. And today we're talking about well-being. We are indeed. Why have you chosen today to talk about well-being? Well, I'm not entirely sure. It did pop into my head a couple of days ago that we should have a quick chat about this because I think that well-being is something that's being overlooked a little bit. It's being talked about regularly. A lot, I would say. Yeah, it's being it's being talked about a lot. But it's like it's like mindfulness. It's it's a word that's doing the rounds, but what the hell does it actually mean? How do And who's you, actually doing it? And who's doing it? Who's doing it well? Um as far as I can tell, not many people. And I think because there's so many different flavours of, of well being, that you know, use mental well being, there's physical well being, emotional well being. Uh I thought as if it would be worth us chucking our two pence into the into the debate and I think that's because we struggle with our well-being uh, but privately and within the business so I thought let's let's dig into it a little bit so today we're going to talk about well-being from our personal perspective there will probably be some best practice that we throw in there because I can't help it yeah you can't help that um, and that's why I love you but yeah let's, let's do well-being I think today so if this is about our perspective what does well-being mean to you I'm going to say the holistic kind of whole picture of me as a person. I think our the company tagline is people at their best. And I love that tagline. I think it, it works in quite a few different directions. But for me as um, an individual, you know, being here and what does it mean for me to work at my best is a really important question for me to answer. Uh, for me as a sort of a business leader, to what what is it for me to be at my best? And I think my sense of well-being supports that. So am I well, inverted commas, mentally, emotionally, physically? If I'm not, what can I do to address those things? And I think the other important thing with the word well-being is it's well-being, not well-doing. Hmm. And we so often get sucked into the trap of if I do this, then I will be well. Mm, no, so you know, wellness is a state of being for me. It's not a something that's on you to do this. There are obviously activities. Yeah, I get stuck on this because I'm like, well, there there are clearly activities I can do that will help me be well. So yeah, I mm. get a bit stuck on it. But um, I take your point that just adding more to the to do list seems unhelpful. And also, as you say, if you're going to be at your best work-wise, you have to be well. You can't do your best exactly. work if you're not well. Exactly. Um, I mean, the difference between well-being and well-doing for me, it's it can be quite a subtle one. But one of the most important things I've done in the last 12 months to improve my own mental health is to get a cat. So in that action, I have done something. So I, you know, I am a well-doing there. However, the sense of um, purpose and obligation and responsibility that my little princess has brought to the household has really improved my mental health because not only is she great to cuddle and play fight with, um, I now have a a distraction from the nonsense in my head. Mm. I have a responsibility and I I have something to protect and something additional to love. And that has been massively transforming it really helped me get through the midlife 
burp of stupidity that I was going through. And she she's contributing to my, my well-being during the day, during the week. And it was through just one act of doing. Mm. I mean, you could argue that it's a continuous act of doing with a cat because, you know, it never ends. But um, but I take your point. Okay, so there's what actions can I take that will help me to feel well or be a better version of myself as mm-hmm. opposed to just adding to the to, to-do list because we think that's the right thing to do. It, it's mm-hmm. maybe a different spirit with which we come to the to-do list. Exactly that. Uh, and it's really interesting for me because if I think about my well-being, one of the things that's made a huge difference to me over the past three months is changing my eating mm. because I have had a very unhealthy relationship with food and what I find fascinating because when I got into uh, doing this I've mentioned before on the podcast that this is the Joe Wicks 90 day plan that I'm doing and it's really been transforming in terms of mental health uh, my skin is better I feel more alert more awake just all sorts of benefits and it's only now looking back that I really reflect on that unhealthy relationship with food that I've had in the past. And a friend has just lent me this book, Jane Hardy's Making Space, which is all about boundaries. Mm-hmm. And in the book, she talks about maybe a boundary that we need to reset or, or review is our relationship with food, is our relationship with alcohol. Uh, in that some of our boundaries, some of our rules for the way that we live life, we don't even know where they've come from. Maybe it's something a parent said to us, a teacher said to us, a peer when we were growing up. But we've got these rules in our minds about how we operate. And maybe they're worth reviewing because maybe we've got things in there that are unhelpful, uh, which in workshops comes up all the time as people not comfortable with saying no. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing, where where have the rules come from? And Mm. I think... That's where mindfulness is a is a really useful tool. So um, we were talking to some friends recently and we were talking about how do you value money? Mm. How do you use money in, in between you in the relationship? And, you know, one side of the couple described it in a certain way. And knowing him and knowing his dad, I was, that's your dad there, mate. Uh, you know, she described her relationship with money. I was like, that's your mum. And just to call it out and to say, did you know that you, you you manage money the way that your parents do? And A, they were mortified. And B, they they were then given the opportunity to agree as a couple. Mm. Well, you know, we're no longer in our parents' homes. We're, we're now married. We, we can do whatever we like. And it mindfully acknowledging that and then mindfully changing that um, relationship with money, I think is going to be quite important for them. And I think being mindful during the day, certainly in terms of how I'm feeling now, is really useful. So it took me a long time to figure it out, but I am a turd of a human being before 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and it- <laughs> it's one of those mugs that says like, not before 10 or coffee before conversation. It's, or it's not just about how grumpy I am before 10 o'clock in the morning, which I am. Um, it's my productivity. It's just like my alertness, you know, what I can actually do and do well. And frankly, it's bugger all. I can eat breakfast, I can drink coffee, and I could probably <laughs> read the newspaper. That's that's all I'm going to do. And if I, obviously, I don't live in a perfect world, so I do have to do things before 10 o'clock, but I, I work hard now to make sure 
that it's very light, soft touch stuff. It's not mission critical. It's certainly not talking to a client before 10 o'clock in the morning um, because it's only after that that my energy levels begin to pick up and I start to function and to do my job well, mm. to be at my best. And not everybody is in a position to work their diary so that they can flex their times to when they're productive. But if it's possible, I would encourage you to do that. But it does mean being mindful during the day as to when you just... Your own productivity rhythms, yeah. your energy. Yeah. And we all have different, yeah. we all have different rhythms. Mm. And I think where it gets interesting for me and you is when you start looking at the team dynamics, mm. if you've got um, a nice blend of people who can carry loads at different points during the day, that's great. But if you've got uh, an entire team of people who flag after lunch, you may as well just send them home <laughs> after lunch. Um, before lunch, you'll get plenty out of them. Um, but that's that's kind of the physical side of well-being, I guess. I would be interested in the mental side, you know, mental health, because you talk to a lot of people about that stuff. Well, and it's interesting because the overlap is so huge, right? So you've just said that physical well-being comes down to your mindfulness mm. so that you can notice your energy rhythms, you can manage those well, then where, where does the mental end and the physical begin or the physical yeah, end true, and the that. mental begin? It's all so interlinked. So reflecting on when am I at my best? What does that look like for me? How am I feeling? How am I feeling right now? And what would help me right now? There was this brilliant study across a huge global company on, you know, we all did this leadership training. There was loads of well-being stuff in it. What was the one thing that people actually took away and did that made a difference to their working lives? And the one thing that came up was taking a moment, maybe every 10 minutes, maybe just once an hour to look away from the screen and mm. take some deep breaths. Because just doing that, it just breaks you out of the just monotony of do, do, do. Says, so actually, I'm a human being. I'm going to take a moment, get some really good quality. We tend to breathe at a very shallow rate. We don't really engage deep into our diaphragm like we could be which means we're not getting the oxygen we need into our brains into our muscles even better just looking away from the screen if we could get up and walk away from the screen mm. that's going to massively help so to talk about mental well-being and physical well-being they're they're massively interlinked and what's good for us to do is is take time to reflect on how we're feeling and what are we upset about what do we feel frustrated about because things that annoy us about other people like oh she keeps calling me mm. he, he's really rude he sends me emails after nine o'clock at night uh, that's up to them what what they're doing is up to them what are the boundaries I want to put in place for me so that I'm looking after myself you and your boundaries that's your business what am I doing to look after myself I really like that actually. I, I, it reminded me of uh, an email footer I recently read mm. from somebody. Can't quite remember who. Ah, that would be Charlotte Speak of Power of the Parents. Ah, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. At the yes. bottom of the email footer, it said, I'm all about the flex and I'm replying to emails whenever I can because, you know, I've got kids or something like that. Do not feel in any way, shape, or form that you have to respond to my email. Just do it whenever you think you can. Mm. And I, you know, it's you can't miss it. It's you know, like most of most email footers are quite discreet. This was big and bold, and it it made me really aware actually that um, you know some people have got to send emails outside of you know the, the standard hours. Right. And whenever I get an email outside of it, I'm literally on the phone straight away. Going, well, it must be urgent. They sent it to me. That's obviously mm. poppycock. 
But yeah, I, I thought it was a, a great little boundary setter, but it also enabled the receiver to then also set the boundary. So it was, I thought it was very clever foot of that one. It's very powerful. Mm. I want to go back to something you said earlier about uh, the friends you were talking to and how they'd realized that they managed money the way that their parents did. Because uh, there's a story in this book that just, it just really makes this point so beautifully. So uh, someone sees their friend putting a roast joint in the oven. And before the roast joint goes in the oven, the the cook chops the end off the roast. And the friend says, why do you chop the end off your joint before it goes in the oven? And she says, oh, I, I don't know. It's my mum my always did it, so I do it. Well, why do you do it? I don't know. I'm going to ring my mum and ask. <laughs> so she rings her mum and she says, mum, why do you lop the, the end off the joint before it goes in the oven? Mum says, do you know, I don't know. It was just what my mum always did. <laughs> I don't know why. She calls her mum. Why do you always lop the joint? Oh, because when I was, um, the, the house that we grew up in, it, the joint didn't fit in the oven. The oven was too small. So I had to, to chop Cut the, the end, end off. off. So you've now got three generations of women who chop the ends off joints because someone two generations ago had an oven that was too small. And that for me, that there was a reason for this before, that mm. maybe this made sense in my grandmother's time with the oven that was too small. Yeah. Maybe that way of thinking about money made sense. Maybe the idea of not saying no to someone when they ask for something. Maybe the idea of always being the person who says yes or always being the person who responds to an email within 30 seconds. Maybe at one point that made sense. But does it now? And do I want it to be the automatic response to everything I do? Mm. And so there's something about just taking the pause and saying, why do I do things this way? And as I say, that's what's been interesting for me over the past few months of why do I treat food in that way? Why do I expect food to make me feel better or rely on food to give me that energy rush when actually couldn't I be doing that in some other way? Um, so really to just notice if I struggle to say no, if I'm replying to emails at two o'clock in the morning just because the person sent it at two o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. if I feel like I have to say yes to my boss all the time, or I feel like I have to work until at least 7.30 in the evening because that's when I'd get home before when I was commuting. Let's just question mm. these things. Why do I think that's the right thing to do? And what if I were to reshape what that meant for me? Mm. Couldn't agree more. The last thing I want to throw in there is self-care. Mm. I think we touched on this last mm. week or the week before, and it's an important um, part of the process of well-being is to give yourself the space to be well, which sounds kind of stupid, really. I have a really weird relationship with the flu or man flu, as it's commonly called. Um, I, I, I let myself be ill. I enjoy I, I enjoy the 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 need for my body to say, actually you're gonna take three days off, you're gonna feel like crap, and you're not gonna go anywhere, you're gonna cough and you're gonna splutter. And it's it's a it's a physical sign for me of either I'm overworked, mm. um, this particular virus needs to infect me so I can build up some resilience to it. Um and also it's potentially three days off work, so woohoo. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a, we don't even now we don't give ourselves permission to get ill. 
you know, we run off to the shops, we'll go and get Lemsip and Flu. All the adverts that you see, Lemsip, Max or whoever, other brands are available. Um, get into your presentation at yeah, 2 o'clock in the exactly afternoon. exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Take, take this magic bit of powder and you can go and present. No, you're ill. Go home. <laughs> Stop spreading it around to other people. Ex- at the very least. <laughs> um, oh, you know, on that, I saw a really funny birthday card recently. It said... Um, there was a picture of someone blowing candles out on a cake and it said, do you remember the days when we would blow on a cake and then serve it to other people to eat? And you're yeah. like, oh yeah. That kind of seems gross. That kind of seems gross <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, complete diversion there. But giving yourself permission to look after yourself, I think is is like, it's the foundation really for any well-being program taking the time out i have got this time i have got this resource and and just acknowledging that you need to be maintained Mm. Uh, and then looking for ways that maintain you in in the in as i described maybe little acts of doing that spread out into Mm. much wider acts uh, wider sensation of being Mm. well i think is paramount to the process absolutely Yes, the whole self-care isn't selfish was our uh, yeah, self-care September piece. Yeah. You can always nip back, dear listeners, and listen to another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So let's end it there. Uh, and we shall look forward to you listening to us <laughs> <laughs> next week, listeners. Have a great week. Thank you.